Hi folks, this is Jack with another edition of the Modern DS Podcast, Episode 2. Today what I wanted to talk to you about is the uh, what I consider to be one of the great disservices to the philosophy and spirituality of deism. And that is the very generic clockmaker definition that deists are pe- simply people who view God as, uh, as a spiritual entity, uh, a great spirit, whatever you want to call it, who created the universe and then walked away. Doesn't care about it, doesn't concern himself with it, doesn't interact with it in any way. Um, I guess there are some deists that actually believe in that type of a god. But I think they're the, the vast minority. And all the times that I've spoken, spoken to people who identify themselves as fellow deists, I have found that, first of all, almost every deist defines God a little bit differently, which makes sense, because I like in our world, when we look into spiritual matters, as we are all, we're all people living in a house, and each one of us has a window, and outside of that window is God, and each one of us is trying to describe God as we see God through that window. And while I think that there is, uh, you know, some room for variance there when we come into a commonality, whether it's Catholicism or Deism or Judaism, we start to kind of look toward all windows in the same area at least, but we still have different angles, different views, different perceptions, different perception biases, uh, different ways the world has interacted with us. But the most common view that I, I get from my fellow deists when I have the good fortune to actually meet one and get to talk to them is that they believe that God is the underlying spirit of all that is. That would be one way to describe it. And even if they use different words, that's what it comes down to. In other words, God is the creation, and the creation is God. Even if God exists, as I believe, as a singularity, uh, a point of, of ultimate connection where all of it exists as one, it permeates out through everything. I hate to say this because it's almost like a disservice because it's not the same thing, but in some ways you could use an analogy saying sort of like the force in Star Wars, that it is everywhere and everything and all of that is God. And while that might mean that as deists, as rational beings, we don't think if we pray to God for it to snow and it happens to snow the next day that God did it, we do believe that there's power in intention and interaction and that we all interact with each other in ways beyond simply the material, that there is some level of spirit in us or, or something similar. And that makes deism far more deep and far more, um, far more versatile for the person that says, I don't get organized faith anymore. It doesn't make sense to me that God would destroy you know, all life on the planet except for a few people. It doesn't make sense that God would order a person killed because they happen to be of a different uh, uh, sexual uh, persuasion than somebody else. None of this makes sense. My God is not that God. And says, well, I found deism, but then is told, well, see, in a deist, you just God doesn't do anything. I, I, I don't know that it works that way. Again, I don't think that that praying is like some kind of magic formula that you can pray for something and then it will happen. But I do believe that human intention and human energy we know interacts with the basic units of, of matter and energy. The subatomic particles in, phys- in phys- experiments conducted by physicists actually respond to observation of human beings. So we know there's something there. We can't really explain it yet, but there's something there. As to prayer, kind of the way I look at it is Prayer to me is personal, so no one should tell you what to say or what to do and how to pray. I, I am kind of, I guess, classical deist in a way, and that I don't believe that 
if I wanted a person who's sick to live, praying that God will make them live, I do think praying for them may make them feel better. There may be some level of energetic interaction there. And there have been experiments done where we've had large groups of people praying for an individual, maybe even very far away from them, and they've monitored the way that person responds. And in double-blind studies where both the, the doctors participating and the patients didn't know if they were the one being prayed for or not, it did seem that those who were being prayed for had a positive effect. So there might be something to that. There might not. There might be some other way to explain that. Um, I don't know how, to use a colloquialism, how religiously those studies were conducted. I've only read them as, as observations. But I think if you're going to pray, the best thing you could pray for is yourself. And some people would say that's selfish, and I say that's, that's because you, you jump to conclusions because you've been programmed by society to think that focusing on yourself is a bad thing. A person who prays every day to be a better man or a better woman, whether God is real or not, whether deists are right or not, whether prayer works or not, is probably going to become a better man or a better woman because of the power of intention. You can't consciously focus on trying to be a better person and not have it permeate into your life. So I think that if you were going to say to me, well, what, what should I as a deist pray for you know, daily, if you're going to, because I'm not saying you have to, but if you're going to, I'd say pray for yourself. Pray for yourself to be a better man. If you're a man, pray for yourself. If you're married, to be a better husband, to be a brother, to be a better better father. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a formal prayer like, you know, dear God, please let me be. But I think that would work. Um, it can also be more of a affirmation. Today I'm going to become a better man. I'm going to be a better father. It, it could be like that. It doesn't have to be said aloud, though. I think there's power to that. Um, because it makes it more real, but it can be said in your mind. And I think it should be a little bit different every day. I also think that as deists, as we look at spiritual matters and prayer, that we often need to, um, to think more along the lines of an internal dialogue than a formalized prayer like you might learn in a catechism or something like that. And what I mean by that is, Right now, I'm walking, even though I'm near the road, filling the pools for my ducks, I'm walking in a intentionally planted forest that I planted myself. It's, in a, it's a young forest. It's only three years old. Um, trees are just really beginning to get up. But I'm walking through a thing called a swale. It's like a, it's like a ditch, except it's dead level on contour. And it, it rained today, so it's, it's damp. It's, it's soaking water into the land and feeding the trees. And as I walk through here, if I wasn't talking to you, I'd be looking at each one of these trees, all of this nature around me that I intentionally created, and I'd be thinking about what a miracle it is anyway. So, I mean, when people talk to me about miracles, I say when, when Jesus, you know, in the Bible, and I'm not saying this story actually happened, because I personally don't believe it did, but the story is, is valuable anyway. Jesus fed the, the multitudes with the fish and the loaves. Well, okay, I want you to think about this. If you give me two fish and a pond in a few years, I too can feed multiples, uh, multitudes. Um, if you give me enough grain to make a few loaves of bread, I can plant a field and take that seed from that yield and plant another field, and in time I can feed more people than the mythical Jesus did in the Bible with the same amount of grain. These are miracles. They are miracles of life. They are miracles of creation. It doesn't mean they have to be spooky. That doesn't mean they have to be like, oh, wow. And In fact, I've always actually found the concept that uh, if Jesus was the Son of God, him committing, uh, doing a miracle is nothing miraculous at all. Because, well, of course. right? If you're, if you're the creator of the universe, 
multiplying some fish and some loaves in some magical way is an easy thing to do. But the fact that we can do it, the fact that we, as created beings, can look at our fellow man and think that man should be fed, that man should be clothed, that man should have food, that man should have nourishment, and we can intentionally use natural processes to better all of our lives, to me that's miraculous. And in that contemplation, it can be a type of prayer, if that makes sense. But the big thing I wanted to get out in this podcast today is to not limit yourself, uh, now that you've found deism or now that you're investigating deism, to the clockmaker analogy. I've been told through several different sources, though I can't confirm if this is 100% true or not, but that this all goes back to Daniel Webster who, of course, is famous for Webster's Dictionary, and that Daniel Webster despised deism as a movement. And deism was a much bigger movement in the United States at one time uh, than it is today. Many of our kind of heavy-hitter founding fathers were deists. Jefferson, Franklin, Paine were all deists. And uh, the mainstream church, as always, hates competition. And I uh, saw deism as a, a rational movement with a lot of force behind it. Didn't like it. Webster was, you know, among those who, who disliked deism. So the clockmaker, like, very technical, um, limiting definition that comes from Webster's Dictionary is from that source, from animosity. Um, and I, I've, you know, growing up, I grew up Catholic, and they had comp- comparative religion in, uh, in our Catholicism, or our, our catechism. And we learned about other faiths, Hindu, Buddhist, etc. I learned more about the Buddhist faith uh, in that comparative religion class than I did about deism. Deism was a blip. De- That's why I didn't even know. When I, when I discovered deism about 10 years ago, I didn't really even know what deism was. I had no real idea what deism was. Um, I had forgotten because all it was was this, this brief f- footnote, like a two-sentence explanation. Deists believe this. Now let's talk about you know Islam. Now let's talk about Judaism, the commonalities. And it was like, it was like a, a full semester class. And yet... Deism represented only this tiny little blip. And I think many of the world's faiths either don't understand deism, or if they do, they actually are quite afraid of it. Because it is a case that can be made to just about anybody with questions about their own faith or with no faith that makes a lot of sense, because it's based on logic and reason. When, when somebody to me you know, tells me they're an atheist and they don't believe in any form of creation and science has all the answers, I ask them why science can't create life. Like one one cell organism, why can't they start without life and get life? If it can all happen by accident, just with the right conditions, why can't you intentionally create something as simple as a yeast cell? And they can't do it. And they still can't do it. They said they did it, and I, I watched a whole documentary on how they said they did it, and they basically used a yeast cell, stripped it bare, and then repopulated it with the things to make it alive. That's not that's regeneration of life. That's That's not creation of life. Science can't create life. Science can't create a leaf on a tree. They can't do it. They, they can't do it. So a deist looks at this and says, there has to be some greater explanation for this than, oh, it just happened by accident. If it just happened by accident, and this is where we get to the whole burden of proof, and, and atheists often say, as deists, we have the burden of proof to prove there is a God, as though they have no burden of proof to prove there isn't a God. Well, if they say they have all the answers, and, and they can't create a leaf, or a blade of grass, or a minnow, and yet we're supposed to believe accident created a being with our intellect, that can contemplate God in the cosmos and can contemplate things like caring for other people and building civilizations and building technologies, and that's all an accident. Well, that's not rational. 
And I've seen something really funny that kind of, it kind of amuses me and it kind of makes me sad at the same time. And that is that I often notice that when I, when I do find a, a well put together video on deism, uh, the people that are most upset are not, you know, Christians, Catholics, Methodists, whatever form of Christianity, or, uh, or Jewish people, or people of, uh, Islam, or people from the Buddhist or Hindu. You see very little kind of attack. It's the atheists that come out. And they, they seem almost like, to like hate this entire idea, like somehow deism is a threat to humanity. And it, it's, it, it's, it's wildly insane to me because the way I look at it is, Deism is the most peaceful of all religions. Deism is basically an anarchist faith in many ways, that, that human beings should exist and, and not harm each other. And that's kind of like the, the, the root ethic. And, and that way it's very much like paganism. Do as thou will and harm none. could be the whole of the law. So as long as you're not harming anybody, you're, you're being ethical. But yet, because they're, they have their own... Atheists have their own faith. Atheism is a faith. And it's, it's a belief in science as an authority, even though science hasn't actually earned the authority that you're granted to it. It's a logical fallacy, an appeal to authority. And the deist doesn't claim that God must exist. The deist says, I believe God exists. And that's different. That's not, we're not saying it's definitive. We're not saying that we can prove it. No, no deist I know of has ever said, not only does God exist, here's proof that God exists. What I've always found in deism is, an acceptance that there's something. And as long as we are being rational and we think about the words we as humans use, that something would be called God. That doesn't mean it's some dude that looks like you know King Neptune, which is what the general depiction of God looks like from the, the revealed religions. It actually looks more like King Neptune than anything else from, the, uh, you know, from, from, from pagan lore, basically. They just kind of took that and made it around and like I don't think most deists believe that I don't think most deists believe that God exists in human form I think they believe that God exists in spirit and exactly how that works we don't claim to know we've never claimed to know but but since God is spirit and God's spirit is responsible for God's creation and I don't believe that that God's creation could exist if God went away the concept that God doesn't care I, I don't think is, is very rational. Um, now, that doesn't mean God has to intervene directly. Um, I care very much about my ducks. I, I'm out here right now providing water for them, standing in the rain providing water for ducks. Um, so you could say I'm intervening. However, if my property had sufficient surface water and feed for my ducks, then I wouldn't do anything except observe them. And when I observe them now and I see a conflict between two ducks and they're fighting over uh, who's the, the, the biggest drake in the, in, the, in the flock, I don't intervene and break that up. I accept that's ducks' behavior, right? And while I'm not their creator, I am their, their benevolent dictator, right? And in my oversight of my ducks, I'm pleased with what they're doing. And sometimes I'm displeased with what they're doing when they're damaging my land. And then I have to intervene and move them so they don't overgraze the land. But the Creator built something so balanced that it's not necessary to be intervened on. And we think that, well, oh, well, there was a war here or something. It's such a small piece of the, of the overriding giant component. And maybe it's not going exactly the way it's supposed to. But it's not up to the Creator to fix that. It's up to us to fix that. That's how we see the world as deists. The Creator 
not only was so amazing to build this, this gorgeous creation that we exist in, that we influence through our observation and our interaction, he gave us the intellect, and I believe it was through the evolutionary process. The scientific evolutionary process is real. And through that process, we developed the intellect to actually become co-creators of our universe. And, and we are co-creators of the universe. We're, we're not creating stars or anything, but I created a forest. You can create a forest. We can create beauty or we can create destruction. But it's been given to us with free will. And I believe it's incumbent upon us with such a gift to make good use of it. So I hope that kind of clears up... Wait for that car to pass. I hope that kind of clears up the clockmaker analogy as being one way to look at deism and a very, very limited way to look at deism. And I hope it helps you figure out where to take your own spiritual journey as a new or long-term deist. And please remember, while the Modern Deist podcast is non-commercial, if you'd like to support the site and the podcast, you can just go to moderndeist.org. You'll see a link at the top of the site that says Shop Amazon, and if you'll just do your Amazon shopping through that link, you'll help support the Modern Deist podcast and the work I do. And again, I would love to hear your questions, things you'd like to hear me talk about on the next edition of the Modern Deist podcast.